1: Or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services.
2: And welcome to First Strike here on Visa. And I'm your host, Dave Ross. For the next hour, we're going to break down what a card UFC 281 is shaping up to be with two title bouts. Of course, Israel Adesanya against Alex Paja. And then we're going to get Carlos Sparza against Wei Li Zhang. Those two title bouts. And then, of course, highly anticipated matchups like Michael Chandler against Dustin the Diamond Poirier. So, to help me do that, Lou Finicaro is standing by. Jordan Sherwood is going to join us from Chicago. Dan Freeland and Reed Kuhn to round out this hour. But boy, let's get right to Lou Finnecaro. You follow him on Twitter as I do at Gamblue. He is the host of the Bout Business Podcast. Woo, Lou! This is a card, my friend. UFC 281. Sometimes you look at them and go, they're not all that they're cracked up to be. This one feels like it could be top billing. Let's start right at the top for the middleweight strap with Izzy Adesanya going up against his old nemesis now, Alex Pereira, so, uh, trying to get that middleweight strap away from Israel Adesanya. He's beaten him twice in kickboxing, but this is not kickboxing. This is MMA. Adesanya has ballooned a little bit since we talked on Tuesday to over a $2 betting favorite now. He's about minus $1.90 when you and I talked on First Strike, First Look. Do you think this this money move is moving in the right direction?
3: Well, first of all, Dave, thanks so much for having me on. It's a great lineup we have today to present to listeners. As far as this main event is concerned, you know, a 20, 30 cent move isn't a lot. And it tells me that we have... Uh, probably a pretty good opening number here, at least as I'm tracking it. The opener is he minus 200. He's minus 210 now. So if a little early money came in on Pareda to uh, to push that down, it's been balanced lately with Adesanya money. It's a hugely competitive fight. I think on one hand you have the Anvil, you have uh, the Boogeyman, the the guy in Pereira. That's got power in his left hand. He's coming to fight, and he's gonna walk out of Sonia down. On the other side, you have the artist, the guy that needs to stick and move, use space, his athleticism, most especially his depth defense and his footwork. And it sets up to be a dynamic fight.
2: Lou, I know that you you glean a lot from the weigh-ins and people might look at the scale and go, oh, okay, Alex made it no problem, 184 and a half. Izzy at 185, but that's not the case, right? It was dicey there for Pereira to make this weight. Do you think that plays into the fight tomorrow night in Madison Square Garden?
3: I don't think it was dicey there for Pereira to make the weight. I believe that he's been playing psychological games all week. He has to rely on that. He's giving away dynamic experience and level of competition. He played games and looked just fine when he stepped on the scale. If anything, when you watched Izzy come out, I think he was playing a little too. He looked uh, worse than Pereira. But if these uh, fighter weigh in, the, I should say the ceremonial weigh ins both men are ready. Both men are, uh, are ready to go.
2: Yeah, both men know each other very well. Obviously, in prior organizations with uh, Pehera getting the better of Adesanya in two fights and the only man still to knock out Israel Adesanya. So he'll be looking for revenge as the reigning defending champ. Let's talk about another championship bout. Carla Esparza here, 115 pounds, against the former champion in this division, Lee Zhang. Now, Carla Esparza, of course, is the first champion ever uh, in this division. But yet, it feels like she's been disrespected in this betting market. She was north of a $3 betting favorite. It's come down a little bit here. Esparza now about plus 270. But Lee is still over a $3 betting favorite. What do you make of this matchup, and do you think this is priced accordingly?
3: I think that uh, Wei Li should surely be the favorite here. She's a absolute, well-rounded, mixed martial arts killing machine, whereas sparza is more singularly dimensioned. Now, she is so good at wrestling and she's so tough and carries the durability that all wrestlers do. She's been able to overcome her general lack of striking ability by her tenacity. But I think at this high level of competition, it's hard to be so singularly dimensioned. And I look for Zhang to be the outright favorite and I think she's going to show that in the fight.
2: You know, I look at the numbers here, Lou, and if you look at Wei Li Zhang, the big favorite here, again, a minus three twenty-five. 3 KO or TKO or DQ is plus $1. twenty. If you like the big favorite, would you play that? Because decision, she's plus $2. It feels like Esparza's way to get the victory would be via decision here. She's plus four fifty to do that. And Wei Li's pathway would be KO, TKO, if she can get it done, uh, inside the distance. Is that the right pathways to victory for these two ladies?
3: It, it seems it on paper, I can't see as far as a finishing Zhang right. outside of some kind of freak injury. Uh, but I, I wouldn't go so far as to think that why Lee's only, uh, path is with fists. She, she's a grappler and spent a lot of time at fight ready developing her grappling wrestling. Rather, I think where I would go with it, Dave, is inside the distance. And the way they phrase that on DraftKings is any knockout submission or DQ. Uh, In that regard, we find uh, Wei Lee priced plus 100. That's the release I'll use.
2: I I like that again because we don't like the way those big numbers. So Lou always gets the best of those numbers. Let's talk about some of the fights that you have and some picks that you've already made. I want to start off with one that you've already released. For everybody that's a Visa Pro subscriber, uh, Claudio Puegas against Dan Hooker, the hangman back in there here. Uh, What do you make of this matchup? Are the better days of Dan uh, uh, Dan Hooker behind him now?
3: Well, he's 32 years old. He's been bouncing between divisions, and he's incurred tremendous damage in his career. But to say that he's done, I don't think I can go that far. In fact, I'll look at this fight, Dave as a barometer to where he remains or doesn't remain. Cuellas, uh, the Peruvian fighter, he's coming in from uh, Florida, uh, training with all those killers at AT&T. He knows what to expect. Hooker's primarily a striker, but he's long, he's lean, he's back at 155. He's loose as a goose. And I think in this fight, Cueus is going to have to really survive a frantic, frenetic first five minutes. And provided he can get this fight into the second round, I think it's at that point in time that it, the six-year age difference and his pressure grappling will begin to make this fight look a little different. Pueyas earlier in the week was plus 140. When we released him, he's still plus money now, and I think a strong consideration.
2: And it is surprising. Look at it, the, the total rounds here, if you like that prop. The over two-and-a-half rounds plus a dollar twenty-five. Without picking a winner, if you think it's going to go all three, you can get plus $1.50 right there. So most people assuming this fight will not see the judges' scorecards. Let's get to Aaron Blanchfield uh, against Molly McCann, the meatball, back in there. And she is a small dog here. Uh, And this one, I believe, actually has been ticking up as the week has gone on. A small dog uh, to get this done, uh, rather, would be Blanchfield's over a four-hour betting favorite now. So the meatball really up against it. But you see a better price is what I was trying to get to, Lou on Blanchfield instead of laying that big price of 410?
3: Yes, I do. And to me, uh, here's how this fight breaks down. Molly has to keep it standing, where she's tough, durable, and will not be put away. Uh, Blanchfield is considerably younger in this fight, still developing striking uh, skills. At 23, uh, she's nine years younger than McCann. Uh, She's more well-rounded, I think she's the one with the path ahead of her. And for the UFC to have been putting, to put Molly in front of Blanchfield here, I think it's one way to pay Molly back for being such a great gal and her fight in Madison Square Garden, but they gave her a terrible matchup. Why? Because Molly cannot handle any form of ground fighting whatsoever she can't grapple she can't wrestle and has all she has is a little bit of takedown d and it's going to be t- tested blanchfield needs to get this fight to the floor and she will and when she does it's my belief she'll submit molly just because molly doesn't have that skill in herself plus
2: 350 if blanchfield can get the submission and to your point, if you like the underdog here at McCann, and I know you go, well, just give me the over three dollar betting uh, underdog here, nine to one for McCann to get it done via KO, TKRDQ. I think that might be the only pathway uh, for the big underdog here at Madison Square Garden. Julio Arce against Montel Jackson. You've got to lean in this fight, and I think you like the dog here. Do you think it, this is a live dog here early on in the prelims?
3: Dave, I sure hope so, because I definitely released him. We got a couple <laughs> of lefties. That that initially makes the fight a little odd, doesn't it? Yeah. So uh, Montel Jackson, three years, the younger man, uh, three inches taller and a five inch reach advantage, all the advantages to Montel Jackson, except for the fact that he really hasn't fought anyone near Arce's level, nor the level of competition Arce has faced. And let's not forget this fight's at 135. Arce spent most of his career at 145. So fighting a a slightly larger, bigger man is not going to be anything new to Arce, who, oh, by the way, Is a New York City local. He'll have all the fans on his side. And should this be a close decision, I'd rather be with the local than not.
2: Got about 90 seconds to go with Lou Finnecaro. Lou, on the undercard or even the main card, is there another fight that you really think we still have value here, say 24 hours before we get to this card?
3: Well, I would tell you, you're going to give me a a chance to go anywhere I want. Anywhere you want. I, I'm going to take you to Michael Chandler. Now, I've been, I've been writing Poirier for a long wow. time. He's He has seemed odd to me this week. He has seemed off. Uh, Chandler, we know what we're going to get, a powder keg, explosion, TNT, but how long will it last? Poirier, the more measured man, he's really going to be the, the guy that's a little bit more durable, maybe not as much power, and may, and maybe not as much wrestling. Uh, it might be interesting if, if Chandler breaks the wrestling out to try and get top position here. But I do believe that the time is right to make a Michael Chandler play and at plus 185, I'm not afraid.
2: Wow. And again, very quickly, any way that thing hits the cards to you or do you think somebody's getting knocked out?
3: Well, I, again, it, it, I, I don't think there's any way that goes all three rounds. <laughs> I don't. No, think- and because and because- <laughs> Uh, Dave, I love that that one and a half under makes me feel
2: stronger that somebody's
3: going to finish somebody
2: here. I think everybody'd be stunned if that one goes the distance. And for more releases, go to uh, the About Business Podcast. Lou, appreciate it as always. When we come back, Jordan Sherwood up next. It is First Strike on Visa, and the sports betting network.
0: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury smart enough to anticipate your needs even before you do every line curve and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right don't miss it mark your calendars and be the first to see it march 20th at 7 p m eastern only on iheart radio's youtube channel save the date at new-qx80.com 2025qx80 coming this summer
1: whether it's your first time betting
2: DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you plenty of ways to bet on the UFC. Just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, and you're going to be able to bet on more than just the main event. DraftKings has great odds on fight lines, total rounds, and features for all MMA events. Eligibility restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for all the terms and conditions. Back here on First Strike, Dave Ross here in Las Vegas at Circus Sportsbook. Always a pleasure to catch up with Jordan Sugarwood out of Chicago. Of course, he is the co-host of the unnamed MMA podcast, which I think is the best name for any podcast. It was great to have you on Big Bets earlier today on the network here, Jordan. I want to continue the conversation that you and I had about the main event here with Israel Adesanya against Alice Bahara Because normally in MMA, we see this a lot. Rematches don't go differently very often from what we saw the first time around. But it's still technically different because that was kickboxing. How much does that factor into your handicap here that although these guys know each other well, and Pajara's beaten Adesanya twice, now in MMA, Izzy can maybe employ some different uh, set of skills here.
4: Yeah, I think it's a combination of both things. Yes, Israel Adesanya is going to have the advantage. He's been in championship wars. He's been reigning over the middleweight division. And obviously, he understands the differences that are going to take place in a mixed martial arts page or, or octagon uh, compared to, to the to the ring. However, I also believe that that you know in prior opponents Adesanya has the mental edge. I'm not sure that he's going to have that uh, against Alpera. I, I think that obviously, knowing that he went twice against in a kickboxing ring, knocked him out the second time. There's there isn't that decisive advantage. Plus, I, I I'm also not a lot of people have been talking about at least I haven't heard the two camps. City kickboxing obviously has three other combatants on the card. I think that that very beneficial for for a guy in Israel Adesanya, mm-hmm. but Al Trahea also training with Glover Teixeira. Who did Glover Teixeira beat to become the light heavyweight champion? Jan, Jan Blachowicz. Blachowicz. And who did Jan Blachowicz beat when he <laughs> went up to 205? <laughs> is Israel Adesanya. It's not like, Yeah, MMA math fine, sometimes works out, sometimes doesn't, but it's very interesting that that obviously Trahea is going to be able to lean on that and, and work with Glover Teixeira in preparation. Tomorrow night,
2: You know, Jordan, too, when you look at the last three fights for both these guys, right, we saw what Paheya did against Sean Strickland. Keep your hands up, Sean. That didn't work out very well the last time around. So we know, like, this guy's got hands of stones. It's like a Roberta Durant thing here going, where if he gets you once, that's all it really takes to put you to sleep. Izzy has decisioned his last three fighters in victory, going all five here. Do, do you see that style of fight again, where Izzy says, I'm not going to run into this guy's left or right hand here. I need to drag him into the deeper waters here in MMA and maybe extract some of that energy if it was, in fact, a tough weight cut. Is that, you think, what Izzy's game plan will be?
4: I, I think it has to be. I, I think his experience going five rounds, he's going to have to lean on that, understand that, Yeah, but hey, it cuts about 30 pounds to make 185. He hasn't seen a fourth round or a fifth round in mixed martial arts, and that's a different ballgame. But I'm still leaning on the under. I think we get a finish. Uh, I think that Pahe has a bad matchup for Israel Adesanya. The mental game, the fact that we're going to see a kickboxing match. Pahe doesn't have to worry about the wrestling. Or at least I don't believe we're going to see Adesanya try and wrestle. Uh, I don't think that would be a good recipe uh, if he tries to do that. But I also could see Pehe getting tired and Adesanya making a statement in the latter round. So that's why I love the uh, under at plus money still that you can grab it. Uh, at under four and a half would be my suggested play because it's such volatility in both guys to lean either side. So just 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 enjoy the fight and play the total.
2: Yeah, and again, if you do like Izzy inside the distance and possibly by KRTK or, or DQ, that's plus $3. So it's a very intriguing price point there if you think he can get the big man out of there. Uh, let's go to the other title fight on this card, the cookie monster, Carlos sparza She's getting a little bit of money, I think, as the week's going on, but it's still, she's still... Waley Zhang's an over three dollar betting favorite. The comeback and Asparza, as the champion, is plus two seventy. Again, you and I talked a little bit about uh, about it on Big Bets. I don't think Carla cares that she's being disrespected in the betting market, but it almost feels like she's being disrespected in the MMA community. Like they all think, "Well, yeah, she's the champ, but she's not really the champ."
4: Uh, yeah, I mean, I, listen, she she beat Rose and Eunice. I mean, it was it was one of the worst fights we've ever seen. Yes, but she won the championship and. She doesn't have an exciting skill set. She she grinds, she wrestles, and, and utilizes top game. And I think she's getting disrespected in this fight. I mean, look, she's won six fights in a row. She deserves to be the champion. Um, you, you can't lay that juice on Waylee. You just can't. May, suffering a parlay, fine. I mean, I look. Obviously, Dave, I wouldn't be surprised if she steamrolls Carla. Like we've seen Waylee do that before. Mm-hmm. She's so powerful, very athletic, great takedown defense. But at that price right now, I'm going to sprinkle a play on Carla Esparza. I think she's gritty enough, smart enough to uh, not be in danger and get some takedowns. I think she can get some takedowns and some control on Wei Lee. And look, we've, we've seen her eke out these split decision wins when she's got the more significant advantage, holding people down, top control, landing some strikes. I think it's a safe play to bet Carla Esparza, especially at that price.
2: And again, the, the Rose fight you're alluding to here as she got the belt back. Remember, Carla Barza is the first-ever champion in this division at 115 pounds. She didn't get a lot of takedowns against Rose, but Rose couldn't really do anything at distance. So that will be the chess match again here. Can Carla Barza get those takedowns? That's her world. And you see it there by sub-12 to 1, if you think the underdog champion can get it done that way or via, via decision, if she can grind it out in five rounds, plus 450. I do want to get to some of your parlays that you do have on here. We got the diamond against Michael Chandler. I know for a non-title fight, this feels like it's got title fight implications here. Both these guys want to put on a show. Chandler's still itching to get that belt. The diamonds had it before. What do you make of that fight? Any way that goes to the cards?
4: Oh, I I don't think so. I mean, both guys are finishers. Both guys are killers. Both guys live by the sword, die by the sword. Um, I think Dustin Poirier is a bad matchup for Michael Chandler. uh, Unless... All of a sudden, Dustin Poirier's chin goes out, Uh, his well-roundedness, his boxing, the fact that he's been in, obviously, both of them, obviously, in big-time fights, but Mm -hmm. I think Dustin Poirier's been in bigger fights. And look, I was in attendance when Michael Chandler won the Bellator lightweight title against Eddie Alvarez way back when in South Florida. Um, But let me ask you this, like, how good is Michael Chandler? How good is he really? His two wins in the UFC against, yeah, credible opponents, Dan Hooker, Tony Ferguson, But the big-time guy, the the top-of-the-tier lightweight division, he's not beating those guys. And Dustin Poirier is at the top of the mountaintop. Uh, So I I think absolutely I expect a finish, but my play will be Dustin Poirier, probably in some parlay with a couple of him with another fighter or two. But I, I do believe we get a finish. Both guys need to make a statement. We've got a new lightweight champion of the world. Winner of this fight could be the winner of Magachev and Volkanovski, probably next summer.
2: Man, Chandler, even that win against Tony Ferguson with the uh, the, the head kick heard around the MMA world, he lost that first was round.
5: Losing. He was losing. He was losing the was fight. Was losing the first round.
2: There it is. All right, th- this this play, I, I just I take umbrage with. You're going against a guy from Tom's River at Madison Square Garden, <laughs> and the answer, Frankie Edgar against Chris Gutierrez. But but give me the logic behind it, because I, I understand we got a we got an old sentimental guy here, and Frankie against a younger gun. I mean, look, Yeah, it'd be great
4: if he got his hand raised uh, tomorrow night and, and just a swan song. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer, first ballot. But look, he's 41 years of age now. He's been finished brutally his last two fights. And what 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 got Frankie Edgar to where he is? Obviously, his, his toughness, but his lateral movement and his boxing. And what weapon does Chris Gutierrez have at his disposal, which mm-hmm. is one of the best we have? It's that calf kick. It's those leg kicks, those calf kicks. That's going to stop the lateral movement, the speed uh, of Frankie Edgar. I don't think we get a finish in this fight. I, I think Chris Gutierrez, you know, coming off of factory X Great Camp, just gonna you know pot shot his way, stop the, the the momentum, and at some point, second or third round, Gutierrez is gonna take over. But I will caution, I will caution those Gutierrez backers. We've seen him get taken down nine times in his UFC career uh, against Cody, uh, you know, Durden, uh, who we just saw compete recently. Frankie Edgar can execute that game plan and mm-hmm. get his get his hand raised, but I just don't like it. I think again. Uh, he, he was winning the Marlin verified in some moments, and then all of a sudden he gets front kicked to the face and stops. So um, too big of a risk for Frankie ever for me to back him. So that's why I like Chris Goodyear.
2: All right. If you think the fight can go the distance minus $1. thirty-five. if they can go all three, you know, got Dominic Reyes on this card. I know uh, Ryan Spann did miss weight in that fight. What do you make of Reyes over a $2 betting favorite? This was a guy, obviously he's a former champ. We look at him and the last couple fights out, hasn't looked like the same Dom. Can he get back to his winning ways against Ryan Span?
4: I, I think he can. It's it's a it's a matchup that I do believe. If Dominic Reyes is right, it, it favors him. He's apparently in the right mental uh, headspace mm-hmm. heading into this fight. That's what we've heard from from his fight camp. But look, three losses in a row, two brutal finishes, didn't look good. And Ryan Span, as athletic and talented and powerful as he is, he has brain farts in the in the cage as well. <laughs> and once he gets rocked. Uh, he's not the same fighter. This is almost a stay away fight for me, honestly, Dave, as far as a, a recommendation on either side. Um, but I will probably get a finish. I mean, and one of these guys is like going out. So uh, I think it's safe to assume the under is going to occur, uh, in this light heavyweight fight. Yeah.
2: Look at that number. If you think it's going to go all three two forty, telling you everything you need to know there, Jordan probably not going to hit the cards. Hey, man, enjoy those fights at Madison Square Garden. Does a great job. Unnamed MMA podcast back in Chicago. Thanks, Jordan. We'll catch up again next week. When we come back, Dan Reeland joins the program in his first strike here on the Sports Betting Network. We roll on this edition of First Strike, breaking down everything in UFC 281. Dan Vreeland joins the podcast again. You can follow him as I do at Gumby Vreeland. He is a writer at Sports Gambling Podcast, Cateside Press, and host of Top Turtle Podcast and MMA Gambling Podcast. I don't know that there's a podcast that Dan is not a part of. It's great to have you back for this big one, uh, my friend. Let's talk about some of your plays here. and I, I see one of your morning line plays that I want to get to right away. And that is two of the bigger favorites here, at least on the main card, and that's the Diamond uh, Dustin Poirier against Michael Chandler, combined with Wei Li Zhang against Carlos Sparza. So you can get plus money with those two betting favorites, and I like the way you did that there. Tell me why you like these two fighters to get it done at MSG.
6: Well, I, I think Wei Li Zhang is is a slam dunk. First of all, you know, like if, if you look at Carlos Sparza's style and what she did to beat Rose Namajunas. She basically beat Rose Amiunis by just doing a tiny bit more than Rosa Namajunas <laughs> did, which was practically nothing. So, pretty much the minute that fight was over, I was like, ah, I can't wait for Wei Zhang's second title reign because she brings the pressure, she brings the heat, she stuffs takedowns. She she's Carlos Sparsa's worst nightmare. So, you know, the in the books have lined it appropriately too. You're seeing it at negative three twenty five. That's exactly where it should be, and and maybe could even be a little higher. So, you know, obviously a negative three twenty five mark is not one that I like chasing just on the money line on its own. So I paired it with Dustin Poirier here. And the reason I really like Dustin Poirier in this fight is that, you know, Michael Chandler's best win in the UFC is Dan Hooker. Uh, and we're going to talk about Dan Hooker probably in a mm-hmm. little bit too. Uh, you know, it's not all that impressive of a win. We've seen time and time again, when he goes in there with good boxers, the Justin Gaethjes of the world, or, or even Charles Oliveira, who proved to be a pretty damn good boxer too. He gets outboxed. He gets over-aggressive, He gets stung in, in like, I'm not saying he doesn't have good wrestling or he doesn't have an avenue to win via wrestling here, but the fact of the matter is he, he's chosen to be entertaining, and I think it's ultimately cost him a couple of fights, and I think it cost him this one, too. So, you know, the the over $2 price tag there on Dustin Poirier, the over $3 price tag on Li Zhang, being able to get plus money on them combined makes
2: sense to me. It's very interesting, Dan, because you bring up a good point uh, about Michael Chandler. He's kind of gone the Justin Gaethje route, right? Which is... I could wrestle if I want to wrestle. Gaethje never wrestles, right? Chandler never seems to wrestle. So they're putting on shows, but do they want to win? It feels like a conundrum for some of these fighters. They are getting high profile fights, but he's not winning enough of those high profile fights. Yeah, and he's not winning most of those
6: high profile fights against guys who he should be wrestling against. You know, like we saw him do a little bit of wrestling against Charles Oliveira, and it worked. It worked in the first round when he Mm -hmm. wrestled Charles Oliveira he didn't immediately go back to it in the second round and and after that he was stung and completely put out cold by the boxing and and yeah i i think it is that big question that fighters often have to ask themselves do i want to be extra entertaining and get extra you know get the boss's good graces so to speak or do i want to win this fight and you know at a certain point in time you got to win the fights because the the good fights don't last if you don't win either.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and speaking of Carla Sparza does not seem to care about how she gets (laughs) it done. And as you mentioned, it's no secret, right? That's why she was a first time champion. It was wrestling. Now she's the champ again, did a little bit more than Rose. Do you worry at all about Wei li Zhang being able to stuff those takedowns? Do you think because she's proficient in it, she can keep this fight standing? And if so, then it really could be the wipeout that you're prescribing.
6: Yeah, I think, I think she'll do just a fine job doing it. I, we saw you want young to young J stuff the takedowns of, of Carla Esparza all those years ago. And granted, Carla Esparza may have gotten a little bit better, but she's also aged a little bit. Mm-hmm. The other thing is with Waley Zhang being so powerful, so physically strong. I-, I think there's a good chance that even if she does get taken down, she slowly works her way up. And I think her cardio holds up a little bit better than Carla's here. So, it, you know, even in the odd chance where she gets taken down a couple of times early in the fight, I, I think the hands are going to eventually overwhelm Carla.
2: You mentioned Dan Hooker. The hangman's been fluctuating in weight classes here uh, recently, going up against Claudia Puelas, back up at 55 here. Uh, What do you make of the matchup here? Do you think that Dan's in the right division, or is he just getting long in the tooth?
6: I I think Dan's now back in the right division. I I like him at lightweight a lot more than I like him at featherweight. Like, I I saw a picture of him and all the city kickboxing guys this week, and he looks damn near as big as his real high to right? Like, the guy (laughs) is enormous. It's crazy because they had him in between Israel Sanya and Brad Riddell. He looks way closer to Izzy's size than Riddell, and he was fighting in the same division as Riddell, which is is nuts. So yeah, I think he's in the right division. But that being said, I think he got an awful matchup here. This is the UFC's chance to build a guy like Claudio Puelish. I love that they put it on pay per view. He's a guy that I think the UFC does love too. He he goes out there, he puts on shows, and not only does he put on shows but he's been doing some of their commentary for their Spanish language uh, broadcast as well. So like, well, is a guy they're ready to put stock into. And I think he has a massive grappling advantage here over Dan hooker. I, I think he takes Hooker down fairly easily here. And in addition to that, since moving to, you know, kill Cliff MMA or Sanford MMA or whatever the hell you want to call it at this <laughs> point in time, like since moving there, his submission skills have gone through the roof. The guy's got three knee bar finishes alone in the UFC. I wouldn't be surprised if he pulled off a submission here. I know Hooker's somewhat decent at defending the the submissions, with the exception of the Islam Makhachev yeah. fight, which you know, like, no shame in that, obviously. <laughs> but you know, I I see the number down there on Puelish at plus two fifty for submission. I mean, I think the money line already is pretty tempting, but like, if you were trying to make it a little bit more interesting, plus two fifty doesn't doesn't look like a bad number to me.
2: No, absolutely, that's a juicy number there. I was kind of picking up what you're putting down there. Uh, I know that a lot of people like to bet on the main card, but Dan, I love some of the plays that you give because it's like, hey, don't sleep early in the fight. You like Carlos Alberg in the very first fight, but you like a method of victory. What do you see there?
6: Yeah, I love Carlos Alberg here by knockout. Uh, It was one of the ones I circled right away. You know, I I see him coming in as a negative 130 favorite. But like if you're looking for the knockout prop, some of the knockout props I saw were 250, 300. And, and you take a guy who's a slight favorite and no, he's so good at kickboxing. And I think the only reason he's coming in at that number is because nikolai Nagumaranu is just a guy who hasn't really ever been knocked out. He lost one fight by decision. He loves to wrestle. He's not an awful boxer in his own right. But the problem is when he comes forward, he leans forward heavily with his chin up in the air. And with the counter striking of a kickboxer like Carlos Olbermann, it really is only going to take one shot for that to be a mistake. So, you know, at, at three to one, uh, I think it's definitely a good play here.
2: Let's say in the undercards here, uh, Mike Trezano missed weight. He actually, out of the fighters that didn't miss weight, he missed it by the most, a, a, pound, a 1.6 pounds uh, in his fight here. Do you think that's going to be a detriment uh, in his in his attempts here? He's got to give up 20% of his purse.
6: Yeah, well, so it's going to be bad for his wallet, first of all. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's, it's also going to be bad for him in this fight because a, as we've seen time and time again with people who miss weight, they're at a disadvantage for a couple of reasons. Because first of all, I do think Mike Trezano did everything in his power to try to lose the weight here. I don't think this is a give up situation. He did get within, I think it was a pound and a half or two pounds at this point, and like you know, that's not really the give up mark. The give up mark is when you see a guy miss by four or five pounds. Right. So we we know he was giving it his all. As a result, I, I think he's really going to be extra worn out. He's going to be drawn out, and he's fighting a guy who hits so damn hard. Wu Choi. Hits incredibly hard. He's got some great knockouts on his, his resume, both in the UFC and on the regional scene before he got to the UFC. And, and that's another one who where the KO prop is really juicy right now. I saw it at plus 300, Ooh. just like Carlos Allberg. If you think Sungwoo Choi is going to land those hands, and certainly after seeing him miss weight, maybe that number won't stay there, but after seeing Mike Trezano miss weight, I wouldn't hesitate on pulling the trigger on that one either.
2: I feel like some people are going to be on Matt Vervola here at plus money, but I don't think that's the way you're going, Dan. What do you see in that fight? No, and I
6: love my uh, Matt Bravo too. Like I, I'm a big fan of the guy. Mm-hmm. I love watching him fight. I think he's like one of the nicest dudes in the whole world too. <laughs> but the problem is, is that Atman Ziatar is just a guy who throws huge and heavy hands, you know, like, I I don't know how he came in like this, this opened with Mike or Matt Favola as a slight favorite, right. which was shocking to me. It's since been bet the other way, which I, I think is the right move here because the guy's undefeated and he's two and zero with two violent knockouts in the UFC. Now, granted, he's been away for a little while after that whole duffel bag full of potato incidents on fight <laughs> Island. But at the end of the day, he's still a guy who hits really hard, who defends takedowns really well. And while Matt Ravola came out and knocked a guy out his last time out and showed he's got a little bit of hands, too, it's different uh, knocking a guy out who's making his debut and knocking a guy out who's shown that he himself is a hell of a kickboxer. So, yeah, I like Aziatar. I see him at negative 150 now. That number's probably going to trend even further up come fight time.
2: I got about a minute to go here, Dan. I got get get your thoughts on the main event here. You know, normally rematches don't go the same way, but this is not kickboxing. This is now true MMA here. Uh, with the last style bender against Alex Pejera. is Pereira going to do the trick here and become new middleweight champion, or do you think that there's some tricks for the uh, for Adesanya still to show here at 33 against the 35 year old?
6: I'm actually going to go with Adesanya, and I've I've heard a lot of people saying, you know, this person's talking about shooting a takedown, this person's talking about shooting a takedown. I don't think either of them are going to get going in the grappling department. But what I do think is going to happen is I think you're going to see Israel Adesanya with more cage work then you see Alex Pereira with it. Alex Pereira wants this open in the distance. I think you're going to see Adesanya in close range, pushing him up against the cage, wearing him out, throwing the knees to the body. And I think ultimately that's going to be the thing that pays dividends. So while while a lot of people are like, you know, you might see some grappling. One of these guys might shoot a takedown. I think you're kind of a fool for believing that a couple of kickboxers want to do that. And at the end of the day, I I think you are going to see the more complete MMA fighter in Israel. Adesanya with this fight, but maybe not necessarily in like a, uh, Double leg takedown kind of way. Yeah, and I'm
2: sure Izzy still wants to get revenge for the way he lost those first two fights against uh, Alex. That's going to be intriguing as well. Dan, appreciate the time as always, my friend. Enjoy the fights. We'll catch up again soon. Thanks for having me. All right, when we come back, I'm going to go back to Reed Coon in Washington D.C. Come on back. It is UFC 281. We're breaking it down here on First Strike on DC.
0: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury smart enough to anticipate your needs even before you do every line, curve and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right don't miss it mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7pm Eastern only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel save the date at new-qx80.com 2025 QX80 coming this summer whether it's
1: your first time betting
2: Start your morning with Veasan's newest podcast, Veasan Daily Morning Bets. Josh Applebaum gets you ready for every piece of information you need to know to bet the day's biggest games in just 15 minutes. He discusses line movement, injuries, and what you need to be looking for before you make those bets. So make Veasan Daily Morning Bets podcast part of your morning routine. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Back here on Veasan, Dave Ross here for First Strike in Las Vegas. Always a pleasure to go back to Washington, D.C. to catch up with Reed Kuhn. Of course, does a great job for us and also at ESPN. Follow him on Twitter as I do, at Fightnomics, the author of a book of the same name. Reed, do you have another book coming out? Because I think you hinted that you might be writing a second one.
5: Not, No plans yet. <laughs> uh, slow down. Um, I realize some of the stats are dated, but hopefully the concepts are still valid uh, but no plans yet to do an updated version. I didn't mean I, to give you I any. If I do, I guess I have to call it Super Fightnomics.
2: Yeah, exactly. I, I didn't want to put more work on your plate. You already got plenty going on, my friend. Uh, let's talk about this card at UFC 281. It is. It should be really good on paper. We never know how they'll actually play out, but they look good here, at least with some of these names. I am curious, when you look at, say, the Diamond against Michael Chandler, you've got tons of data on Dustin Poirier. Chandler coming over as the, the former Bellator champion, not that many fights here in the UFC. How do you differentiate what you saw at Bellator and then what you've seen so far in the UFC?
5: Yeah, so you're right. The sample size is a little limited with Michael Chandler, only 28 minutes. But it's the defense that is a serious problem. So 49% head strike defense, like average, would be well into the 70s. Um, now, Poirier isn't great at 66, but 49, that means... Half of all head punches thrown at him are landing, and that's Chandler. And he's been dropped three times now. He's been in some barn burners, and you don't know how that's going to hold up or who who hits harder, but certainly the defense is a liability here. And Poirier just seems to get more and more technical with time, Uh, really knows how to find those right moments, set people up for the knockout. He accumulates damage over the course of the fight. And those are the reasons that I'm backing Dustin Poirier, let alone the fact that he also has some slick submissions. So don't forget about that.
2: Yeah, that's very interesting because you do not want to fight fire with fire with Michael Chandler. If you can be more technical, as you, you mentioned, because you think of Poirier and some of those wild fights like he had against Justin Gaethje, he probably doesn't want to do that again with Chandler. Maybe that, uh, that ring uh, savvy that he has now could serve him well at minus 215. When you look at the, the hangman here, and again, my, a similar question, when you fluctuate in weight classes – as Dan Hooker has done, back up to 155 now against Claudia Puelas here. How do you gauge that numbers-wise for a guy that's been going back and forth?
5: Well, in this case, it's more of a stylistic mismatch, and so I'm actually less concerned about the particular statistics. Dan Hooker, Hooker does look really good on paper in terms of striking. He's very accurate. Um, he has a good knockdown rate. He's scored seven knockdowns. Uh, his defense maybe is a little soft. Uh, you know, we we've seen him in some slugfests, but that's not really going to matter because if Claudio s- tries to stand with Dan Hooker, he's probably going to get knocked out. He's already been dropped twice, and his striking metrics aren't nearly as good. So that's a liability. But he is going to go for takedown. So the question is, can Dan Hooker keep this fight on the feet? If he does, he wins. Period. If he doesn't, all of a sudden he is going to be open to submissions. And Puello has these leg locks that have been very effective, uh, you know, he's like the new Ryan Hall uh, <laughs> when it comes to submitting people on the ground. So that's the that's the opening that I see here. So I'm actually going to go upset here. I, I like Puelles uh, as an underdog. I'm willing to take that plus money, um, even though maybe it's more of a coin flip because of the stylistic, Issues, but yeah, I'm gonna go for Puellas and go for an upset.
2: And again, by sub, if you like Claudio to get it done that way, plus two fifty, but you're gonna take the plus a dollar thirty here. Uh maybe if this one gets grounded out to a decision here and he has a lot of, of control time on the ground, that could be his pathway if he does not get that sub. Speaking of control time on the ground, Carla Sparza, right? The first ever champion in this division at 115 pounds. That's what she wants to do. She wants to wrestle, period. End of story against Li Zhang, the former champion here. And we know she'd like to keep this fight standing and throw those hands. Is it as simple as that? And what are the numbers showing you?
5: Uh, I think it is as simple as that. I don't think Esparza can stand and trade with Li Zhang. Uh, Not only does Zhang willing to be in a shootout and can take a punch, clearly, but she can dish it out very, very well. Esparza has never been a good striker. Her striking has always been a setup for the takedowns. And so those takedown attempts are going to come fast. Uh, and early, hopefully, if she's playing it smart, and I say this because I'm, I'm backing Asparza as a long shot. Now, mm. again, this is one of those situations. I don't think she has a greater than fifty percent chance of winning. I think she actually, you know, she's somewhere below that. But at three to one, I gotta take that. You know, I I think she might test that takedown defense, and Zhang really has not faced an experienced grappler. She hasn't put up with a lot of attempts. I think I look back at her last few fights and no one had attempted more than one takedown against her. So she just doesn't have the experience in fighting those off. Now again, she's trading at Team Alpha Male, a bunch of wrestlers there. Who knows how she's evolved? I'm just going strictly by the numbers, and the numbers see an opportunity for a wrestler.
2: And this is we've talked about this before on the show, Reed. It's a great point where the value of a sparza plus 270 is too too good to pass up. So you say You give her less than a 50% chance of winning, but the number is so big at plus 270 as the champion, knowing the technique she's going to employ, she could grind out. She didn't grind out Rose Namajunas in a fight where she didn't get a lot of takedowns, but she did enough. But that could be the thing, right? She could actually outwork Wei Li Zhang and the judges could see her way.
5: And, And Zhang is fairly aggressive and she strikes wild. And that opens people up to takedown attempts. When you are a great, aggressive striker, you might rely on that. You might get sucked into that firefight, and that's when someone changes levels on you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So that's why, again, you can look at the cooking monster here and think she's live at plus 270. I certainly see it that way as well. Let's get to the main event here. Israel Adesanya, what's fascinating to me, and I can't wait to see you break this down by the numbers, two guys that have fought twice outside of the UFC. Behera wins both of those. Gets one by decision, gets the other one to be the only man to knock out Israel Adesanya. Now, here we are at the UFC, right? So we got MMA, true MMA at play here. How do you and the numbers take that into account for this third time, but the first time in the UFC?
5: Well, th- this is MMA, and we're going to stick with MMA only stats. <laughs> the problem is that we only have 23 minutes on Alex Perea. And so that's a bit of an issue. But when you look at what he did, and he steamrolled through a few opponents there, he scored two knockdowns on the way on a per strike basis. Adesanya still has a higher knockdown rate. So that means. Uh, even though we're looking very early in Alex's career, didn't have the same strength of schedule that Israel has had over the last few years, uh, Israel still shows up as being superior on paper in terms of power, which is kind of shocking because uh, everybody's counting that Perea is going to be the knockout threat here. Uh, but I, I absolutely think it's going to be a duel. No, almost no takedowns ever landed between these two guys, actually zero uh, combined. <laughs> so we're going to see them stand and trade. And if we do, I am banking on Adesanya's experience in MMA striking. He's elusive, he's rangy, and he can counter people pretty viciously. And so I'm I'm looking for that experience. And just the fact that he's been tested in five-round fights against very good strikers. That's what's giving me some confidence here. I get the whole backstory. It makes it interesting as a fan. But purely by MMA numbers, he still has advantages here.
2: You know, Reed, I look at the total here, and obviously four and a half juice slightly over at minus thirty. And the, the way ways method of victory is for Izzy to get it done. KO, DQ, plus $3. Win by decision, plus $2.75. You're not going to go either way here. Do you think it's, it's too difficult to see if you can get a, a late round stoppage? Which way do you think it might lean as far as how long this fight could go?
5: There's there's a lot at play here. It's yeah. hard to say because uh, we haven't seen Perea damaged, and his defense is not great, to be honest. Three fights into the UFC and not always facing elite talent. His last fight against Strickland uh, was a step up, but Strickland also was a former welterweight, I think. So, you know, I really have not seen him tested yet, and I don't know how he'll withstand those big shots. They will come. Adesanya will find some shots. And I don't know how long Pare is going to last, but based on what we've seen from Israel Adesanya, twelve knockdowns to date, he's going to end up in the record books one day, and I think he might score another one here. But you know, early, early fight, I think. There might be some feeling out. I mean, they know a lot's on the line here. They might have a slow start, but I think once it starts flying, the late stoppage wouldn't be out of the question. Yeah, and
2: Sean Strickland decided not to keep his hands up against Alex uh, that timeout, so that was not a good strategy either. i got about a minute to go here, Reed. Uh Any other fight either on the prelims or the main car that you still see some value in?
5: Uh, yeah, uh, Montel Jackson, really like him. When you line up his stats with Julio Arce, just like – Check marks all the way down. If you've seen my, my Uber Tail of tape that I sometimes share on Twitter, uh, Jackson has a lot of advantages. So I like him as a justifiable favorite. And then there's another wrestler, uh, Negamaranu, um, a Romanian champion wrestler facing a former kickboxer. Again, complete stylistic mismatch. Whoever keeps the fight in their position is going to win here. But if I'm getting even or plus money on a wrestler, I'll take it.
2: I know how you always lean to those wrestlers, and the, the data normally bears that out. Very, very smart move, certainly long term. Hey, Reed, appreciate it. As always, my friend, enjoy the fights. We'll catch up again next week. There he is, everybody. Reed Kuhn joining us from Washington, D.C. I want to thank all of our guests, Reed Kuhn, Dan Freeland, Jordan Sherwood, and Lou Findicaro, for joining us here on this edition of First Strike. UFC 281, two title bouts, in an absolutely stacked card. Enjoy the fights, everybody. Make some money. We'll see you next week right here. First Strike on Visa, the Sports Betting Network. <laughs> Thanks for watching First Strike. Of course, subscribe on YouTube, and we always have First Strike First Look for you each and every Tuesday as we give you the best of the numbers before we get to First Strike each and every Friday. So download on iHeart, Apple, or your favorite podcast. Thanks for watching First Strike on Visa, the Sports Betting Network.